Hello, everybody. Welcome to Three Point Perspectives, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, and how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators, lest you think we're not. We've all illustrated for every major publisher in the business. We've published together somewhere around a thousand, ten thousand books, and we've all taught illustration at the university level. Yep. Each week, we take questions from you, our trusty listener, and uh, we argue about it. Sometimes we agree about it, but each time you're going to learn something brand spanking new. Um, if you, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, <laughs> we, we haven't have. published a thousand to ten thousand books. <laughs> I just, I just, here's what it is. I don't know how many we've done. And every it's time hundred, it's in the hundreds brain. with each of us, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. into the okay. hundreds. I mean, all of us com- combined, combined. Yeah. Yes. I haven't personally published a yeah. hundred. No. Yeah. no. Okay. So, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's answer some questions today. Shall we? First, first question comes from Kevin and it's titled managing work in social media when a piece takes a very long time to do. So he says, I do a lot of pointillism and stippling in my traditional work. And if you guys have ever tried that, it it is time consuming. It really, my kid is in um, art class in mm-hmm. seventh grade now. And one of his assignments was to do a stippling thing. And he's just like, I never want to do another dot of ink again. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that too, is if you do it right, mm-hmm. because if you, you know, if you get a big chunky pen, Mm-hmm. Or if you're lazy, mm-hmm. it doesn't look good. So you no. really have to do the. T- you you have to do the work. You mm-hmm. have to. Anyways, he this is uh, Kevin does pointillism and stippling, usually with markers or oils. And my issue is that a single painting or piece will take weeks or often longer than a month to complete. I don't know how to start off on the right foot, building a following with my current pace. I almost have enough finished work to feel comfortable starting an Instagram. A lot of advice I see on here is to post on social media regularly regularly, and set smaller goals. Problem is I work nine to five and I can't always make daily progress and definitely can't post new content as often as is recommended. I'm also currently learning digital art, so I thought posting the digital work between traditional pieces might help. So far, my digital work is a very different style than the traditional, and while I love both, I'm worried posting both digital and traditional on the same account will make me look inconsistent or make me not gain followers. Do you guys have an answer to this? Like, how, how, how do you solve this problem? I, I do have an answer for this. I'm going to go the obvious route. This is, this is going to be based on when I asked my teacher when I was a, a student, I was getting all these murky paintings. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, all my paintings are coming out brown. And my teacher said, don't use brown. it's a really simple advice but i did take all the earth tones off of my palette to where i had to mix primaries a little more and neutralize Mm -hmm. them and i did get a much more vibrant um palette out of that and it Mm -hmm. was it was it was shockingly simple advice so that's what i'm going to do here i'm going to say stop doing pointillism or or, (laughs) just stop (laughs) making the dots i mean if that's the if that's the hook that this work has, that's not enough. Um, I guarantee you, if you did the same images, I don't know what, what, what the work looks like, but if you did the same images in a different style that didn't have the dots, it would still be fine. 
Mm. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be like, no, I'm not going to hire him unless he does the dots. And so you may be putting too much focus on, on the dots um, yeah. for the market you're going for. Now, the, uh, the other advice I'll give them is the opposite of that, that if you have to do the dots and the dots are really you, <laughs> have to do the may, maybe, it's, um, maybe it's not a, a, a commercial illustration path, but maybe it's a fine art path. I mean, if you mm-hmm. look to Chuck Close, who just passed away this week, a fantastic um, realist, pointillist kind of painter. He was a, I don't think he always did the dots. He, he became um, handicapped later in his life, he, but he was doing these huge canvases. Do you guys ever see his canvas thing? So he was in a wheelchair and he had mm-hmm. a full room size thing that would move the canvas around and he would stay in a stationary spot. Mm. Um, but he would make these dots. If you Google him, his name's Chuck Close, mm-hmm. just incredible. At, I can't believe at, he died. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think this this past week is when I started. Yeah, August nineteenth. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, but there's the route that he went, and he he really made that process his own. You know, you've got the 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 Monet um, kind of look. Who who's who's the the, the famous um, Surat? Surat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to look like that. But I'm just saying, there's a there's a market for that, and it might be it might they might relish the fact that you're taking two months to do a painting and it takes you a year to do a whole show and that's mm-hmm. your market. But I, I think matching pointillism and illustration is just, it's not going to work. Well, we haven't seen his pointillism. It might be amazing. I mean, like think about Mark Summers with his woodcut look, what would he do? Like you're, I agree with you, Lee, that the image matters, right? Like the, the design, there's a lot more that matters than the texture. Cause that's what we're really talking about. Right. Is right. the, the technique and texture and it could be a pl- that same design could you could apply a lot of different textures to it i don't know anybody who's famous doing pointillism that i can think of that's current that's new or young i'll tell and, you this that w- i said the, the time that i had the uh stippling assignment was in my rendering class in college and everybody's work looks super dated Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, you remember that stippling was huge in like the 70s, late 70s yeah. and early 80s, and it just hasn't really come back. And so I worry even that it might be actually hurting the work mm. and maybe dating it somewhat. I, I kind of agree without seeing it. I, um, I mean, I see I'm seeing more and more of it now um, through Inktober because it's mm. it's a good way to get like amazing gradients and stuff for people who do Inktober. But they're doing like small, almost like tattoo style mm-hmm. um, illustrations where it would be, you know, maybe the, the size of, a, of, the, of a, a mug circle, you know, like a coffee stain, like that mm-hmm. size. You could knock one of those out in, a, in an hour or so. Uh, you know, maybe it's a whale uh, cresting um, through a, a galaxy or something like that. You see a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, that's somewhat contemporary. And if you're doing like a painting version of that, maybe that's a way to do it. But I kind of agree with these guys. Like, um, uh, go the fine art route. Make your stippling paintings so good. Um, I, I keep coming back to this. Like, make it so good you can't be ignored. Like, people just have to share it and spread it. And let the gallery that you're working for, you know, do your social media for you. Let um, other people you know, post it on your website and let other, you know, let, let Colossal or any of these other like artists, uh, blog 
sort of platforms, um, high fructose, uh, juxtapose, those types of places start spreading your work for you. And, and, you know, and then maybe you can th- throw up a, a social media account once you already have like this built in, in interest in your work. And, and it doesn't matter how often you post, uh, you could just, you could just post. The other thing is if you've got a really good, like interest and in, in a fan base around your work. Maybe you've done a show and you've sold out all your pieces. People are going to be really interested in seeing what's next. And mm-hmm. so you could just share close-ups, little um, uh, snippets of what the next thing is going to be. It doesn't have to be a finished piece every time. I um, bet you this person is putting too much emphasis, more emphasis than the audience is on mm-hmm. the dots. Mm-hmm. That's what I would recommend do is try a couple of other techniques, put them out there and see what the reaction is. I bet it's going to be far yeah. different than you think. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I'm giving this guy the benefit of that. I'm, I'm pretending it's like James Jean uh, writing in the mm. artwork's magnificent. It right. speaks for itself. Um, James Jean doesn't need social media to, to sell out a show. His right. artwork does it on its own. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that's where you know that's where you need to compete if and his pieces take a long time to do too like he's very prolific but he maybe does 20 pieces a year right uh every but he's two also weeks or something like incredibly that incredibly fast i mean i guarantee you if they're taking him that long there's mm-hmm. the payoff whereas this i almost see like somebody like i want to go jogging but i've uh tied my legs together and I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm right. having trouble getting some right. good times. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I mean, like, I mean, as an artist, you you have to mix the business side with the creation, you know, with the creative side, mm-hmm. and it's not good business sense to like if you went to, you know, to some uh, I don't know, the the round table of business guys that are going to judge your business, you know, and and you you pitch your idea and you say, well. You know, for most illustrators, it takes them, I don't know, 10 hours to knock out a piece. But for me, it takes 30. They're all going to look at you and go, you need to speed up your process, right? Just yeah. from a just yeah. from a business standpoint. But, yeah, like um, if this if there's Shark Tank for artists, what would your pitch be, you know? <laughs> right. It takes me four times as long as the next guy. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. Is your, but is, is your artwork, if it takes four times as long, maybe your artwork needs to be... If- 10 times is is better you know yeah if the payoff is there for the time no problem yeah so what if if you guys like like i have two styles jake you have like four styles that you can work in Mm -hmm. that i I know of probably a few more that are hidden somewhere and you know lee you pretty pretty much work in one style right he's got his more antonio blanco fine art thing going that's true i got the the painterly stuff and this is all painterly what are you talking about yeah, but some, I mean, is, some is clumsy fin- children's painterly. The other is clumsy adult painterly. I don't yeah. want to just reduce you down to some simple painter, but really that's what you are, right? I mean, no, I mean, I, yeah, for, for my commercial work now, I mean, for at a time I was working in, you know, concept art and doing a lot of architecture stuff that was very realistic and, and perspective based. And then also the children's style. But yeah, it's, it's all kind of pointed to this style that I have now. So the point, the point I'm getting at is, if you're starting out, like like I didn't have two styles until much later on in my career. 
and the general, what, like what he's getting to in this, uh, or what she's getting to, Carissa. No, this is Kevin. That's Kevin. Um, what he's getting to in this question is, you know, am I going to mess up by having two different styles on my Instagram? In in a perfect world, it's better to have one style mm-hmm. when you're starting out, right? Yeah. So that's a general. That's not a definitive, um, but it, generally, yes. I think, yeah, Will's, Will's got a good point there. Like that, maybe that's the play. Digital art can be created fast. You can do multiple pieces in, in a much shorter amount of time than anything traditional. So maybe your whole social media thing is, uh, I'm an artist who does digital art, but you are still doing these paintings on the side. And it could be that once you get 24 of them, 50 of them, you know, you do a show or you just uh, just drop these things on on everybody and it takes you you know five years to do it or something like that you know that's going to have impact and that's going to have have weight to it than you know doing a little bit of this and then switching up and doing that and coming back and doing a little of this and switching up and and dripping it out i think i think yeah all right it's hard to know Next. for sure it is. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I wish we could see the um, the artwork there. Mm-hmm. Did you know? Notice we um, our uh, that episode where we kind of broke down that portfolio. The, mm-hmm. the woman sent us a link to the portfolio, and we kind of did a, a, a critique without actually showing the artwork mm-hmm. to everybody. The comments on YouTube on that were like, "Oh my gosh, do this to me, please, <laughs> please <laughs> rip my rip well, my portfolio apart." I want. So if I you're if see. you're listening and you send in a, a question that deals with your work, send a link to it. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. idea. And also, an idea. and give us permission. You know, say you can talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, you could show it and talk to them. I want to add one more thing for Kevin's real quick. And this is just based on hearing a bunch of students go through this process Mm -hmm. of the question that he's asking. Uh, Never fails that they come in and they're like, oh, man, you're not going to like this one. And I'll be like, why not? And they're like, I just changed my style up completely. And then I look at it and it's like, no, it looks exactly like what you do. Right. And that happens over and over again. I mean, rarely have I seen a student where the style change is enough to throw me where I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, you seem like two different people. And so these these things might not look as different as he thinks either. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You kind of come yeah, through true. no matter what you do. That's true. That's a good point. All right. Carissa says frustration in the early stages of art making. Um Hi, I'm a longtime listener, and I love the podcast. I always hear Lee mentoring, uh, mentioning how he loves the blank page part of the art process and how he loves doing different explorations. But for me, I feel the opposite. Whenever I start out doing a project and doing sketches, all I can see is, nope, that's wrong, nope, that doesn't work, etc. It's harder to view this, this stage as something fun and explore, explorative when really it feels like doing anything wrong, uh, everything wrong and nothing is turning out right. Also, I have no idea what style I'm going for in the beginning, super cartoony or semi-realistic. I often only feel comfortable in a project when I've nailed down a style and I'm refining it versus those early stages where it feels like I'm messing everything up. Is there a way to change my mindset on this stage to view it in more of a positive, explorative way? I think I know my answer on this is um, that... It's, it's not a good answer, but it's just that she hasn't done enough work to get into a groove of 
like when I see, when I approach a project, I, uh, and this has been for years now, um, I know it's just, it's going to fit into my style. I don't even have to think about that. So I, that question is completely, uh, that part of the question is solved for me because Mm -hmm. Right. There's uh, just, there's just doing, the Will Terry look. Yeah. And you know it's going to fall in that. Yeah. Look. And I know it's going to fit in that family. Um, is there still, is, and actually, that is this, what she's describing this, this early process is one of my favorite parts of it. And it mm -hmm. didn't used to be. And so I feel what she's saying because I remember being in school and I'm wondering, like, you know, how much has she done? Um, because I had this when I was in school for sure. It was, it was daunting. It was scary. I had no idea what I was going to come up with. I had mm -hmm. no idea what, like she says, is it semi super cartoony or semi realistic? It, the, well, there were so many questions that it was impossible to start because, you know, and, and really what I would do at that point, that was in my go get, a go get, um, try to find an illustration where someone else solved something similar and pretty much use that as a template to, to mm -hmm. not a design template, but as a stylistic template right. to kind of go, okay, I'm going to go for this kind of look because I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, There's, the, the oh, go ahead, Lee, go ahead. Um, there, I'll give you the real advice here. Will's answer was <laughs> terrible there. It was a starter um, answer. So that you, it was just a primer. <laughs> you He's just setting set up the up. shot. <laughs> <laughs> the deal is with, with working this way is understanding what you're trying to accomplish at the different stages. And so the first step, I mean, I, I do remember what like Will was saying. I, I remember that too, when I would get an assignment and I wasn't comfortable with all this stuff. And I, and I was, I just remember feeling uncomfortable until I finally got something that was going to work for the project. And then I'd be like, okay, that was, that sucked. You know, just, and but once you got the image you're, that you're going to paint, you're like, okay, I'm, I can move forward. It's not a very good way to, to go through it. And I, I, it was because I didn't really know what I was trying to accomplish at each stage. So it sounds like you don't have your style totally down. So that could become stage one where you're not trying to solve the image yet you're trying to just figure out which look is going to be best for this project and so mm -hmm. you're not trying to solve the image yet you're not trying to come up with a finished image you're just trying to do the research on is it going to be super cartoony or is it going to be um, semi-realistic i would view this stage as you might not even have to draw anything you get enough that's when i would go do some research i go to pinterest and say you know which which one would benefit this project the most so let's just say you landed on semi-realistic. Well, now you've knocked that problem out of the way. Now you're sitting down with a blank page and you know it's gonna be semi-realistic. So you, now you have your style kind of locked in. The first step is just to literally start and what it's what I call the process of failing forward. And so each, that's what every drawing that you do at this stage should be a failure and it should push you in the direction that will eventually become the right one. Mm -hmm. And it's a really important mm -hmm. shift in your mindset because you're not trying to get the perfect drawing. You're just trying to get a drawing that's going to say, I like this part of it. I don't like this part of it. Well, let me try another one. Okay, now I like this part of it, but this it doesn't work over here. And you're just constantly, again, failing forward. If you go to, I use skateboarding a lot because I used to be a skateboarder, but if you go to a skate park and watch people learning a trick, they are falling every time until they get it right. Mm -hmm. And they're not, and if you didn't like that part of it, it would just be such an enjoyable experience because the majority of the experience is that failure until they land the trick. Mm -hmm. And and I, I view our sketching process as being the same thing as you're just, 
you're trying, just trying to figure out sometimes what doesn't work. I mean, the, I was talking earlier uh, in the, the podcast we recorded earlier that I've done 30 or 40 sketches of this one tarot card. I haven't nailed it. It doesn't freak me out because I will find it. I know it's there, um, but I, I haven't got it yet. And so, but it's just a process of eliminating what doesn't work and, and knowing that that feeling is going to be there. It takes away all the pressure and knowing that you will eventually get there. And that's part is kind of what Will was saying is that that takes a little bit of experience to know you'll land on something pretty good if you do enough drawings. Carissa, do exactly what Lee said and copy my answer and repackage it as your own. <laughs> Are you saying that was, was that was my answer too complicated? No, no, no. I'm saying? saying that's you repackaged mine. Why is that a repackaging of yours? Here's my answer. What you're going to do is figure out the style first. Like, figure out your style and then do a bunch of exploration drawings <laughs> <laughs> until you get, you know, until you find where you're at. And if you don't enjoy the exploration, you need to get into a place where that is, that's part of, uh, you know, part of it. Um, I, it really is. I mean, I, I understand the fr frustration as well. I, the thing that really um, was a red flag for me was not knowing if she should be cartoony or semi-realistic. And mm. it's like, I understand, you know, you're in a stage where you're still figuring out style, but as soon as you could figure out that you are the person that does cartoony, your career, your life, uh, your, your professional life, is going to be so much easier. Yep. Or if, as soon as you figure out I'm the semi-realistic person who does true. dogs, you know, and, and, Man, people are going to be like, oh, I know who to call when I need a semi-realistic looking dog, you know? Mm -hmm. So as soon as you figure that out, I mean, that that's going to take some exploration to just see what you enjoy doing, what you figure out, you know, what, what kind of little style things you can figure out and techniques. But as soon as all that's in place... Um, then the problem just becomes it's it it really does become a lot more fun because you know what you're doing you know I will say this too that when I noticed when when I was a student and I've noticed it from all the students I've taught too that a lot of times people when they have a sketchbook or they're doing early exploration things that there's a there's a focus on wanting it to look good I remember people's sketchbooks there was a huge emphasis when I was in school of people drawing really good stuff in their sketchbooks. And that, mm -hmm. it was always this kind of disconnect for me because I'm thinking if I'm trying to solve this problem, it's coming out ugly. Like mm -hmm. in the beginning, you know what I mean? I'm not actually worried about drawing. Well, I'm trying to figure mm -hmm. out, okay, what, what's even, is there a truck over here or not? You know what I mean? I'm not trying to draw a nice truck. Um, and so it was just this weird, the weird, weird disconnect. And I realized that if you're drawing everything that looks really great, you're probably not concepting. Um, as well as you could be. And once I realized that that first stage can and maybe should be really ugly. I mean, my sketches are so ugly at that stage. They're almost not even legible um, mm -hmm. if I were to show anyone else. And that takes a ton of the pressure off too. So you might be, at the, do you guys agree that a lot of people in the early stages are trying to do nice drawings versus solve the problem could and be, then do the yeah, nice that drawing? Could be, that could be the problem. Because doing thumbnails, like, I love having a page of 20 thumbnails in front of me and just yeah. exploring and iterating and, and figuring, okay, that didn't work. This works. Cause you're, they're painless to do, you know, they take five minutes each, 
Mm-hmm. And in an hour, you can you can knock out a page of these. And by the end of it, when you when you really have explored all the options, then you can feel confident. Okay, I I know this is the one I want to work on. This is the one I want to take to the next level. Well, we're in that stage where one one I never thought I would get to where I am. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, you know, <laughs> I remember being in school, going I. I, I'm pretty sure I won't make it as a freelance illustrator, but it's at least fun being in school right now and mm-hmm. pretending that this is going to be my career. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I remember that. And I also <laughs> remember not being able to design a piece um, uh, t- that was successful. Mm-hmm. But but when I did have a successful piece, it happened by accident or it happened mm-hmm. with a lot of help from the teacher. And then that carried on for the next probably five to 10 years uh, where I would have after school, where if I ever did a portfolio piece, well, first off, my, my, um, my portfolio pieces were my best pieces that I did to, to work on my own in the next five to 10 year period mm-hmm. after school. And mm-hmm. the, my client work was the worst work that I did, which is horrible. <laughs> it's horrifying to admit that, um, that my client work was, the stuff I didn't want people to see. And it meant what it really meant was I had the wrong clients. Um, and not, and I'm not blaming them. I was taking on projects that I didn't like. So I couldn't really be successful with them because I didn't like what I was being asked to do. And I, I didn't have a, um, a feel for it. And I was doing a lot of editorial work, a lot of, um, con concept, conceptual work, you know, in, in animation, it's called, concept work but mm-hmm. back in the day we called that conceptual and um, two very different things in a way um but anyway um it, it i got to a point maybe 15 years in where it was cause and effect if i if i set out to make a great painting for me you know i could do it every time mm-hmm. and man was that uh, a uh, it was a game changer and it was, uh, it was, it was, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. It was a relief though, mm-hmm. you know, because it was, um, like, I, like not wasted time. Like the worst pain for me as an artist was getting an idea in my head on how great this piece was going to be. And then, you know, my, my, what I came up with doesn't live up to that at all. I know it. And I'm trying to convince myself that it's good. You know, yeah. and then so, and then I asked my wife or asked somebody, you know, is what do you think about this? And then they confirm and they, they're, they're, uh, they say, well, it's not your best piece. And then it's like, damn it, you know, <laughs> and, and you know, and I get so frustrated with that. Like, how did I, I did like coming, like the transition from coming from that to being able to do one good every time. And there was still a sour one every now and then. That was probably the most frustrating. Like, how did I, do another sour one. I thought I had this thing figured out. So it's a long process. And I, and I feel her question here, you know, but to me, it's just, you just haven't done enough yet. You just really, you, you could look at it this way. Everyone has a certain number of paintings in them that they have to get out before they can not have to deal with this Mm -hmm. problem right here. Mm -hmm. So whatever that number is for some, it's more than others. Right. For me, it was I mean, any sort of thousand. thing, if, if you've done any sort of thing, like, like learning an instrument or 
learning a sport or um, even just like a relationship with someone, there's always like this growth, this like uh, this growth period where there's just pains, right? Like, how you know, how can, I remember running, I could only do a mile or two miles and it was just, it was painful the whole time. And I'm like, mm. how can anybody, I knew this guy who did five miles every day religiously. And I'm like, how can his body even perform that? <laughs> like, how is that even possible? And, you know, now I'm able to do that because I've just been been running enough that my body's conditioned to it. And it's the same thing with this, with this art, um, art thing, you know, it's learning a piano, learning an instrument, any of those things you just have to like do it a ton, get those hours in, get that experience. And but you uh, can't, I mean, but it comes there. with the hours and then it also change. It comes with the expectation of which phase you're in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being okay yeah. with like, I'm going to suck in these first ones and I'm all right with that. And, and, and here's the thing that I'm trying to solve, like going in with an actual plan of mm-hmm. what you're trying to solve while you're drawing will actually make it a lot more enjoyable. You know, I, I, I don't know if this is a non sequitur or not, but it kind of applies. I, I used to run a figure drawing um, workshop at my school. And I noticed like one Friday night where everybody's drawing, the drawings look so boring. The students look just bored <laughs> and the drawings were uninteresting. And I stopped the class and I, and I said, you guys need to figure out what you're trying to do what are you going for before you actually draw it? Like the model yeah. just take the pose and they just start drawing. It's almost like they're just so lazy about it. And we, we broke down like three or four different things you can be studying. When the figure's up there, some people are, are working on anatomy. Well, then work mm-hmm. on the anatomy. That drawing is going to look a lot different than somebody who's looking on could, uh, working on construction. Those drawings might be boxy and you're like trying to piece together these boxes that are oriented in different ways or proportion. Maybe you're working on just light and and shadow, basically value. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you're going to, so then you're going to be mapping your shadows, not so worried about anatomy and construction. Mm, Um, Yeah. Maybe you're just working on gesture. And so it's real free and flowing. You're not so worried about getting the exact proportions right with that. And so all those drawings look so different. And then, so once we wrote them down on the board and and I did examples of each one of those things, like, here's what it could look like. Oh my God, everybody's drawings, everybody was doing different stuff and they knew what they were supposed to be doing. I'm working on gesture. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get a likeness. I'm working on light and shadow Mm -hmm. and man, the drawings came to life. Yeah. And so that's cool. There's a skill that we're all using. I think at different times, when you get to a certain point, you might call it visualization, but there are a lot of paintings that I do now where I can actually see it before I even start to draw at all. Mm. You know, and I know you mm-hmm. can, Jake, because you said one time that you, uh, you've done all the compositions in the <laughs> blue sky, right? So you're like, oh, it's, you're picking from a list in your mind of, oh, it's this kind of composition right here. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of work. I mean, there's thousands of hours that you're drawing on when you do that in your mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the paintings that I'm doing lately, I, I can see them almost finished. Mm-hmm. And then I start to do the, the thumbnails. And sometimes I go with it and sometimes it changes, but a lot of times it looks like the vision I already had in my mind. I couldn't do that mm-hmm. when yeah. I was in school. I couldn't yeah. do that 10 years in. Yeah, true. All right, last question here, it's from Din. How skillful should an artist be to teach other people to draw? 
So here's the situation. Um, I have a question about teaching, and I want to split it into three smaller correlated questions. Number one, how skillful should one be to start teaching art for middle school age kids in an independent studio? Mm. Number two, is it important to have drawing skills on the same level as the theoretical knowledge if one knows more than can actually show on the canvas? And number three, how can one become a good teacher if I just recently started drawing? Questions are asked with thinking about potentially opening a studio and teaching kids as a nonprofit organization just to help new talents to find themselves if they don't have art classes or can't afford art supplies. So, uh, yeah, this is interesting. It's, it's kind of like, like, would you open up a, a dojo if you didn't quite know karate? <laughs> you know? But, if it's, but again, if it's, if it's in the phrasing of this question, it's for kids and that's a little bit different. Yeah. Thing is, is if as for serious, you know, martial artists, no, you wouldn't do that. If you're teaching kids in the park, sure. Yeah, but the middle. So he he's specifically for middle school age kids, and that's that's the age where I was like, okay, we're not doing arts and crafts anymore. We're actually learning fundamentals. Mm -hmm. So we're learning light and shadow. I remember in seventh grade. I did the actual like sphere, the ball with the light on it from still life. I did, I learned perspective. I learned, um, you know, color, what, what colors you mix together to make other colors. Those were all things that were never really taught in elementary school. In elementary school, it was, it was more like, oh, okay, here's how you make paper mache. Here's how you like right, glue stuff right. together. So I think you do need to have at least the foundations down. And it would be nice to be able to show them, um, you know, some show them some things that you've done that they could aspire to, you know. Um, so I, I, but that said, you don't have to be amazing pro. Like you don't have to be a, a knockout. You just, you just have to be uh, good enough to like be able to show them how things are done and to be able to fix problems when you see them early on. So you don't kind of set them down the wrong path. <laughs> that's the thing is that's the fear is that right. if you, if you can't do, you could end up teaching bad habits or not being able to answer questions. Um, mm -hmm. And so ideally, you know, one, one thing, um, you know, most people learn to draw before they uh, learn to paint. Or they should, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. like it's an order thing. You've got to be able to make a good drawing, which is the skeleton of the painting. So, without the skeleton, you can't paint. So, you should be better at drawing if, if you know if that's what you want to. If you want to have a studio teaching drawing, unfortunately, that's the first skill. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so, it should be it should be better. I I personally think that as long as you can um, draw anything out of your head i mean a, any object and manipulate it and understand the mechanics of of drawing you know with simple shapes like starting out with a box a rectangular box or a, a square box a cube but some kind of broken you know shape broken down to its essence um and then and then uh perspective so that you can draw that box in perspective and then whittle away at it um in the details that's those are really the mechanics that you need to be able to have to start teaching drawing those and unless you're only going to do mostly observational drawing and then you know then the the idea 
of proportion comes in of being able to to really I mean if you're uh, there's an interesting note in this email that I keep coming back to that says what do you do wait let me go back to the email <laughs> excuse me um is it important to have drawing skills on the same level as theoretical knowledge if one knows more than you can actually put on the the canvas I would wonder why you can't put it on the canvas because that's mm -hmm. a big deal as an yeah. art teacher. There's nothing worse than an art teacher saying something and not being able to show you what they're talking about. It really about. is tough. Yeah. Because the students really want you to model what you're telling them. Yeah. They really and do. To, and, they, and if you can, like, like, you could look at a face and say, oh, those eyes are crooked and that nose is a little, you know, twisted. And then for you to put tracing paper over the top of it and draw over and say, here's how you might fix it. Here's some things to watch out for is leagues of a better help to these, uh, to these kids yeah. than just describing, well, draw the nose better, draw the eyes better. Yeah. Well, let me, let me give you another example. I, I taught an oil painting class at UVU mm, five years ago, six years ago. And I'm not an oil painter. I can mm -hmm. do it. But I'm not an oil painter. And, uh -huh. you know, I took over for um, a teacher who really can paint in oils really well. Two of them, Don Sigmiller and Perry Stewart. They can, mm -hmm. you know, run circles around me in oil paint. You think the students knew they were getting a lesser teacher in me? <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I'm glad to be out of that because it's not my forte, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and... Um, and so now, I mean, that is the college level. And this is like, Hey, I'm just offering free things after right. school. But that said, like, I mean, kids are smarter than you, than you, than you think they, they know what's up. Um, and you might be able to sort of get them a little bit of the way, but maybe it's not enough. I don't know if it's, if you can't, draw i don't know how if you, if you can't draw i don't know how you can teach it <laughs> again we're we're dealing with a question where we can't see the work so we don't mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. we can't we're, we're shooting blind so again a plea if you're gonna if you're gonna send in a question and about your work send your work yeah as well i do want to say one thing how can one become a good art teacher if i just recently started drawing so let's let's give them some like actionable advice here. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be as soon as you learn something yourself, go teach somebody it. And, 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 you know, maybe a friend's kid wants to learn art and you could be like, Hey, I just learned how to do, um, you know, these nice gradients on a sphere. Uh, let me show you what I learned. And pretty soon you're going to see right away your limits uh, of, of, of what you didn't understand about that yet. And, and then the next time you teach it to the next kid or the next person or whoever, you're going to be a little bit better than last time. And I'll say this, like when I did start teaching at the college level, um, I had 12 years of like professional experience, but I wasn't really a teacher. Um, I, I, I had never taught before. Right. And when I started teaching all these things that I knew, I saw myself level up and become a better artist. So I think, you know, this might be the answer to you getting to the point where you want to be in your, in your art is, is teaching other people. But I might, I think it might be a mistake to have it be a formal 
sort of thing, you know, hang your yeah, shingle at le- up. And, at least for now. Yeah. yeah and the, now. the other thing about coming, becoming a good teacher is trying to break it down in as few steps as you can. And if you need a ton of steps, there's a problem there. I mean, most of the time mm-hmm. we can break something down into five steps or less, even if we're wrapping a lot of stuff into each one of those steps, it becomes a basic, here's one, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the mark I think of a good teacher in art because too too many people think art is just subjective and there's no rules. Mm-hmm. And there is, if you apply a certain sequence of thought or technique, you get a lot better, a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Cool. Well, I think that's it for today. Um, I'll take us out unless you guys had anything else you wanted to add. No, those are good questions. Yeah. Yeah, I love these questions. They're getting very detailed and very specific. It's great. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a nice one. Okay. Three point perspective is made possible by svslearn.com where becoming a great illustrator starts and your hosts today have been uh, Lee White, Will Terry and Jake Parker. You can find Lee White's work at um, LeeWhiteIllustration.com or follow him on Instagram at LeeWhiteIllo. Will Terry can be found at WillTerry.com or follow him on um, Instagram at WillTerryArt. And then um, myself, my website is MrJakeParker.com or you can um, find me on Instagram at JakeParker. Podcast is produced by Daniel Tu. That's Daniel T-U. And you can find his work at daniel2.co. Special thanks to our SVS production manager, David Bro, for all that he does to keep uh, keep the, 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 the car running, I guess. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good analogy. And a big thank you to our social media specialist, Lisa, Lisa Fott, for all that she does. Uh, if you like this episode, please share it around. Um, send it to people who you know might be into illustration. Podcasts uh, live and die by word of mouth. And uh, to that point, we'd also love to hear what you think. Leave a review, positive review, or a negative one, whatever. We'll take what we can get. And, uh, <laughs> and if you wanted to join in on this discussion, head on over to svslearn.com. Go onto the forum. It's free to join and uh the forum is and uh and log in there make an account and join that community it's such a welcoming inviting community post your art um we have a thread devoted to this particular podcast episode which is nice and you can you know if you have a different answer than what we said or you have more questions about what we talked about today just chime in over there and let us know what you think all right that's it uh we'll see you guys next time 